Webb Telescope today as it is set to finally arrive at its destination, its new home. And for more details on that, let's welcome in space expert Paul Delaney, who joins us now. Hey there, Paul. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you too, Jeff. Okay, you spend, uh, what is it, $10 billion, $10 billion on a telescope. I guess we're about to get a payoff. Just where exactly is the James Webb Telescope? Where's it about to land? What's going to be its new home? Almost to the kilometer. It's 1.5 million kilometers from Earth. There's an engine firing taking place at the moment, which is going to ease it into its final destination at the L2 point. So, yes, we're one month into hopefully about a 10-year mission, and we are now arriving at our destination. But as you indicated, uh, we've got a little bit of time to go before we'll actually see images. Uh, the first month has been very, very effective in getting itself deployed, but the telescope now has to align itself, and that's going to take the better part of another three to four months. So we're still early days yet, but big milestone arriving at Lagrange Point 2. Okay. Was this always a given that we'd get here, that the James Webb Telescope would get here, or has there been some ups and downs? Has it been very much kind of touch and go? Well, I'd love to say that it was always a foregone conclusion that we'd get here, but as my fingernails will attest, it hasn't all been <laughs> <laughs> clear sailing, although they've made the deployment uh, sequence so far look so easy. Nothing substantial has gone awry. Everything has gone according to the predictions, to the various test runs that they've done in vacuum chambers here on Earth. Since the launch on December 25th, the team has done absolutely everything picture perfect. And, you know, we couldn't ask for a telescope in better health than it is at the moment. But as I say, we've now got to align each of the mirrors. There are 18 different mirror segments that each have to be aligned. Otherwise, we have a very expensive piece of metal sitting out there at Lagrange, too. So we've right. got a lot of work to do. But so far, everything has gone really, really well. Can you tell us a little bit more about aligning those mirrors? This sounds like very difficult and very intricate work. Well, it is, and you can't touch the telescope. It's 1.5 million kilometers from here. Uh, I mean, think of it this way. When you uh, pick up a pair of binoculars, the very first thing you do when you're looking out at a tree or a bird or what have you is you fine-tune the focus so that everything comes in nice and crisp. Well, imagine doing that without touching the binoculars, doing it 18 times uh, you know, to a precision that is literally a fraction of the wavelength of light. So it's an essential process for us to be able to see clean, crisp images, but it is a very time-consuming process. It's slow and steady for each of those 18 mirror segments because the mirror itself is not one piece of glass. It's 18 individual mirrors, and so they all have to be co-aligned to give us a nice, clean image. Not something that you know, we know how to do, but it is nonetheless a time-consuming process. Okay, so we get all of those mirrors all aligned just in the right position. When you talk about, Paul, clear and crisp images, can you describe for us what we're expecting to see? Are we about to see the universe in a, in a way and in detail that we've never seen it before? Precisely. Uh, the James Webb Telescope has the ability to peer back in time in a way that we've never been able to do before, and that's because it's using what we call infrared light, not just visible light, but sort of that, that warm, uh, the, the wavelengths of radiation that you can feel when you're near a fire. So it's that heat that is coming off that wavelength that will allow us to penetrate back literally almost to the beginnings of time. And because the James Webb Telescope is in a really nice, pristine location out there at Lagrange 2, then it's not going to have 
signal contamination from Earth. It's got this big sun shield that will protect it from the radiation of the sun. And that alignment process of the mirrors is going to bring it into sharp detail. So we will be able to see not only back a long way in time, but in a way that is sharper than we've been able to see with any other infrared telescope before. So this really is a remarkable instrument. I mean, you know, if, if all goes according to plan, six months from now, you and I will be talking about some of those first images from almost the beginning of time. And we're all hopeful that that will be literally uh, the big tick mark for that $10 billion investment. So what does success look like six months from now, if we start getting images back, what is the one big question that researchers, uh, scientists, uh, you know, yourself, Paul, uh, what is it you're hoping to answer? What are you hoping to find here? Well, it's not one question. Um, unfortunately, the universe is a very complicated creature and, uh, you know, there are many different branches of astronomy that are going to be wanting those fundamental questions answered. Uh, you know, how are stars forming back there at the beginning of time? How are they coming together to form the first galaxies? How do those galaxies cluster together? Those formative moment, if you will, that create stars and galaxies. And from those stars, of course, we're producing materials that eventually become planets. And so my planetary colleagues, my exoplanetary colleagues, are going to be turning the James Webb on some of those relatively nearby exoplanets and peering into their atmospheres, looking for biosignatures, the signs of life, looking for the way those planets have evolved through time. And then, of course, there are the other folks who are going to be you know, looking closer into our own solar system, asking fundamental questions of the planets in our solar system, where we'll be able to observe them in a way that we just can't do from Earth. And so, you know, every branch of astronomy has got a long list of questions that they would like answers to. And while we'll probably get those answers, every question's answer will lead to yet more questions. So this is an iterative process. But if we can get down that pathway of, as I say, looking at the first galaxies, looking at the first stars, looking at exoplanets, everybody is going to be deliriously happy. All right. That uh, might answer my final question. I was going to ask you, Paul, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most excited, how excited are you in the space community about this, uh, th this next piece, if you will, of the James Webb Telescope, uh, its journey in the next six months? Well, I think most of us would probably answer 11 uh, at this point because, you know, th this telescope was deliberately designed to answer some of the most fundamental questions that we just could not answer with observatories from Earth or even in Earth orbit. And now we have this telescope fully deployed. If this alignment process that I mentioned earlier goes according to plan, then there are going to be some wonderfully sleepless nights as the data comes <laughs> down and we start analyzing it. Okay, I'm just glad it's not happening uh, today because uh, I know in the GTA, if you look up right now, uh, you can barely see your hand in front of your face. Another so. reason to be out at Lagrange Point, too. We don't have any of those issues. <laughs> Paul, thanks as always. Really appreciate it. Take care, Jeff. You too. Space expert Paul Delaney with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.